I'm just not going to let the enemy take me out. Amen? I'm not going to give him any credit. I mean, he's still a liar. His pants are going to be eternally on fire. <laughs> Amen? I mean, he's, he's not in the lake of fire yet, but he is on his way. And I'm not. Because all my hope is in Jesus. All your hope is in Jesus. And if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, I'll tell you, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. I mean, I know life, man, it stinks sometimes. You know, things happen and, 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 and just it, it jacks us up. We get all messed up on the inside. But, but you know what? You quit looking at where you're messed up and start looking at your hope in Jesus. Because Jesus has the solution and he has the answer for everything that you're going through. I'm telling you, it is the truth. So let's start off. Good morning and welcome to Thrive. I want to welcome everyone who's here personally worshiping with us and everyone who's online. Our motto here at Thrive is don't just survive, thrive. We've got three words, grow, develop, succeed on our cool new shirts. And we're growing a kingdom. We're developing our character. And the way we succeed is we do the call of God on our lives in our local church and in our community. And that's how you thrive. And that's what we're about here at Thrive. Last week, we got, we're in a second part of our series on living free. And I was reading a book. Uh, I've read it multiple times, but I picked it back up again this morning. And I, I was reading some things out of the book. It's called Grace, the Power to Change by Dr. James Richards. Phenomenal book. It's really the book that took me out of religion. The same guy that wrote that book is the same guy who taught Joseph Prince what the grace message really is. And there's so many people that they don't understand what the grace message is. They think it, he, it's the license to do whatever you want to do. Let me just tell you, you're going to do whatever you want to do anyway. It's the license to say no to sin. It gives you the power and the ability to live above sin. That's grace. And this, this is what this message today is going to be about. We're going to talk about grace today uh, on this living free message. But so many times, Christians, what happens is we get born again and we get delivered from certain sins right off the bat. But in a very short period of time, we go right back into a lot of these sins again. And they become habitual. And then some of them, what happens is we pick up new ones along the way that become habitual. And it seems like it's almost impossible to get out of these sins. But I want you to know that the power of grace can get you out. And most of the time, most people don't get out of these habitual sins because they really don't understand the message and what it's about. The main text that we're using in, in this series is out of the book of Galatians. In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul, what he did is he had uh, got word after he established this church in Galatia that the church was going back to legalism, going back to what they shouldn't be getting into because these Jewish Christians were coming in behind him after he left the town and they put him underneath a yoke of bondage and they put him underneath a trap again. And so Paul was just, he, he was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe they're going through that. And, and those of you that have been here for a couple of weeks know that the bondage they were trying to put him back under was they were saying, hey, look, if you want to join us and hang out with us, you got to get circumcised. I'm telling you, I'm not joining that club. If I'm not circumcised by now, it ain't happening. 
You know, that's just the way it is. But it was legalism, and it was bondage, and they were trying to put him back underneath a yoke. And so Paul addresses this issue, and in and, and, and week one we talked about the two gospels there are, and there's two gospels in the church. There's the one gospel that is full of love and compassion and grace and mercy and joy. Then there's this other one that starts off, it looks that way, but as soon as you come in the door, now they got rules and regulations and, and all these issues, and basically you have dead religion. And now there's so many people that really like that dead religion, I, I don't understand why. It, it is deception. You know, and that's the crazy part. People will go right back to it. People will come out of this dead religion, but people go back to what they know because we're creatures of habits. And then last week, what we talked about in this Living Free series is we talked about crucifying the flesh. We said something in your life is going to have to die. You're going to have to put something down to go further with God. If you don't put something down, if you don't crucify the flesh, if you don't let this stuff die in your life, you're going to stay exactly where you're at. Actually, what staying where you're at really means you're going backwards because God is continually moving forward, and he's continually wanting us to move forward. And so that's what we talked about last week. This week, we're going to talk about living in grace, living the life of grace. The, the problem that we have when we try to live this Christian life and we try to live in this life of grace is we try to do it by human effort. And human effort, it doesn't work. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 1 in the New Living Translation, or the No Lying Translation, NLT. O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? In the Greek, it actually means there, the evil spell means the evil eye. Who's giving you the evil eye, the stink eye? You know, I, you know, you came into church this morning, and you had those two really holy people over there by the informational booth, and they're just looking at you, and you know they judged you. That's what he's talking about. You know, another way to put it is, is someone who's like, their, their nose is up in the air because you're not doing it as well as they are. See, that's, that's how they were trying to bring the legalism back into the church, is they were trying to judge the people because they said that you're not doing it right, we're doing it right. And that is all over the church. He goes on to say, For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. He said it's as plain as the nose on your face. It's as plain as you're looking at yourself in the mirror. You can see it. I don't understand why you don't know the gospel. I don't understand why you don't know what the message is because it is so clear. He said, let me ask you this quest one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? In other words, did your life change by the Old Testament rules and regulations? And if your life didn't change by the Old Testament rules and regulations, what do you, what, how do you think you're going to do it now? You can't go back. He said, of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. See, the problem with Christians is we don't know what the message is. We have a message and we have the message. Most of the church is preaching a message and teaching a message and not teaching the message. Because it's the message that will set you free. It's not some program. It's not some small group. It's not some church service. It's not some pastor teaching the word. That's not what you, 
sets you free. If you're in the Son and you know Jesus, it's Jesus who sets you free. I don't care, and I say this all the time, I don't care if you're Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Lutheran, denominational, or non-denominational. If you do not have the Son, you can't be made free. Because that sign that you have above your, your head, it's either going to blow off going up or burn off going down. That choice is yours. We're a family. Amen? He said this. I love this phrase right here. He said, how foolish can you be after starting your Christian lives in the spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? See, he was saying, these are the people that are looking down on you. And these are the people, they can't, they're trying to do it in their own human effort, and you're trying to follow them, and they can't even do it? Do you know what he said there? In how foolish can he, he said my saying, how stupid can you be and still breathe? Where do you think that statement came from? The Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians. I mean, duh. He goes on. He says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, he says this. He says, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. And this is not God cursing you. You're just under a curse when you try to follow the law. He said, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue. That means keep doing and do everything. To do everything written in the book of the law. So if you keep one part, portion of the law, you have to keep them all. Now, this is really funny because this is where people uh, who are greedy like to say, well, you know, tithing was the law. Okay. Let me say this. In Matthew 23, 23, so is justice, mercy, and faith. Tithing was before the law, and so was justice, mercy, and faith. And he explains that in Matthew 23, 23. He says, you, you do tithe but you miss the weightier things of the law so he says that all these things are the law this is jesus talking and we didn't do away with it these things were before because god is the same yesterday today and forever i don't tithe because i have to tithe and because it's a curse because there is no curse with it now because jesus paid the price he would he was made a curse for me but the reason why i tithe is because i get to and i enjoy it and i get to see god work in my life and i get to see him increase in my finances in my household why so i can help other people out because that's what it's about amen boy it got quiet in here when i talked about money James 2.10 says this, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking them all. So what's the point in this, Pastor? Well, this is in your notes right here. It says, the law couldn't be obeyed. That's the point. The law could not be obeyed. There's nothing that you can do. The law can't take away sin nature. The only thing that could take away the nature of sin was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that could do it. So grace, when it's applied properly, takes away the desires to sin. If grace is not applied properly, then you're going to have a desire to sin. You can have grace in one area of your life and not have grace in another area of your life. If I came up here and I had a little oven and some 
uh, brownie mix and all this stuff. And I had a bag of dog poop. And I just took a little spoonful in there and I just made that. And you guys saw me making that. And I, and I cooked it in there. I said, these, man, these are good brownies. Are you going to want one? That's because that's what grace does to you. Grace will, it'll, it'll be like pooping your brownies. Oh, no, there is no way I want that thing. That's what grace does. That's how it works. So it's not by your effort. It's by your understanding of the message. And that's what it is. Is this pretty good? Is all right for Sunday? Okay. I didn't know because everybody got quiet on me. I thought I was in this Baptist church. No, that's, not the, that's the Presbyterian church. I mean, it's one of them. Because, you know, the Pentecostals are, hey, hallelujah, ha, amen. Glory to Jesus. There we go. Come on. There we Ha. I got a Pentecostal in the house. What then was the purpose of the law? And, you know, the, the question is this. He said, if the law couldn't change your sin nature, right? And if it can't be obeyed, right? Then why was the law there? Why did God give us the law? Well, I'll tell you why. Before we read the scripture, God needed you to get so frustrated to realize that you cannot do this on your own. You have to reach out and go someplace else to do it. He needed you to be frustrated because if he just gave it to you, you would mess it up. That's how good God is. Because then you go back to your, oh man, I remember when I was frustrated. Oh no, I got to do it this way. You have to do it the right way. And here it is, Galatians 3, 24 and 25. It says, so the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. That means not by anything that we do. That's how it frustrates us. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. So this is that, my next point. The law leads us to Christ. It was legalism that brought us to the understanding that we couldn't do it under the law of the Old Testament that we needed a Savior to come in. Who, and he walked a perfect man, sinless, tempted in every area of his life. And the law brings us to this man that we are engrafted in. And we become sons and daughters of the Most High God. Now that is good. We can stop there. And if we just got that understanding, but we're not. We're not. Because we need to understand some things. The reason why it's a hard concept to grasp is because most Christians were raised in a works mentality. We were raised that we have to be good enough in order to please God. But God was pleased in you when you were created. And he became well pleased in you when you said, Jesus, come be my Lord and Savior. He's never been displeased with you. He's never going to be displeased with you. The only thing that will hurt him is if you don't make that decision before you leave this planet. He doesn't want anyone to perish. No one. And we need to have that same attitude. See, because this is the way we were taught, basically. 
if I do at least 51% of good stuff, then I can jack up 49% and I'm going to be okay. And that's not true. You can do 99% bad stuff except Jesus for real on the inside and have him start to transform you at that point and you're still going to make it because it's not on the lollipop system. That's not how it works. That's how we work with each other. But God doesn't work that way. Listen to verse 24 in the New Living Translation, how how he says it. He said, the law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right through faith. So the New Testament way, the way of grace, is not that we do right, it's that we're made right. And the difference is this. One is human effort, and one is all God. You cannot deliver yourself. You cannot be good enough. You, if you're struggling going by that store and you're struggling, I mean, you could be struggling for 10 years. And then all of a sudden, one thing happens. Cause you say, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to have one drink. I'm not telling you the drink is going to send you anywhere, but if you're an alcoholic, you have a problem. And then that one drink will send you to another one. And then the next thing you know, you're looking for a job because you're not going to work anymore. You're missing all the time. Human effort will fail you every time. It's got to be by grace. So I'm going to give you the five points on living by grace. Number one, grace is a free gift. You can't earn it. It's absolutely free. And I'll tell you what, grace isn't there just to get you off the hook. It's, it's not. It's a price of sin that had to be paid. That was there. It was, and the price was the life of Jesus. That was the price. So Jesus stepped in, it says, and he saved you. In Romans chapter 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's kind of like a job. When you go to a job, you earn wages. Well, sin is the same way. If you step into sin, the wages you earn is death. Separation from God. But that's not not what God wants for you. He gave his son. He gave up his son, Jesus, to go through all the torture, all the pain, all the suffering for you and I. And and I'll say this, and some people, they get mad at me when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Jesus went to hell. He spent three days and three nights in hell. And he wasn't there going, there's going to be a party tonight, I know. No, he wasn't doing that. Jesus was paying the price of being separated from the Father in hell for three days to pay for our sin. As a matter of fact, he tells us, he said, the only sign I'm going to give you is out of the book of Jonah. Three days and three nights was he in the belly of the whale or fish. Go back to Jonah and take a look. He, it says that Jonah went to hell. And he cry, it said he cried out from hell. Some translations say Sheol. That's the only sign he was going to give. So in other words, what Jesus did is he paid for not just a physical price. He paid a spiritual price because it was spiritual separation from the Father. 
Now, some people say, oh, that's blasphemy. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Read the book of Acts, chapter 2. I mean, you'll see it says he suffered the pangs, the pains of death. When you look that up, he suffered after the cross. And where he suffered at was when he was separated from the Father, and he spent three days and three nights in a place that he should have never been. When you know that, it causes you to love him that much more. It wasn't just a gift given. It was a life that was paid at Calvary. Number two, grace is received by faith. You know, um, this is not in your notes, but I was thinking about it this morning. It would have been in your notes had I just really, but great, our faith itself is believing that he is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's in Hebrews 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 6. Now, so it's not just believing he exists, it's trusting his word. So grace is received by trust. By trusting he said he would do what he said he would do. And if you can trust that somebody is going to do what they say they're going to do, you have no question in your mind. As a matter of fact, if God said he was going to show up at 6 o'clock on the dot, he wouldn't be a millifraction of a second one way or the other. He'd be there exactly when he said. And that's the type of God we serve. And this God said all of his promises are yes and amen for us who are in Christ Jesus. This is the same word and the same God who said this. He said, the, the, the covenant that you have now is built upon better promises than before. Do you realize that in the old covenant, in the Old Testament, they had healing that was provided for in their covenant? You mean to tell me he's going to take it away today? Absolutely not. By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. Was is, are. See, when Isaiah said was, are, is, sorry, he was looking towards the cross. When Peter said was, he was looking back to the cross. Past, present, future. And that's exactly how God works. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And that's awesome. You can't brag about it. It's all him. I've said this before, but it's been years ago. And it came up in a conversation uh, the other day. By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. That's not the Roman whipping. The word is bruises. When you go back, it said it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Why? Because if we take that the Romans did it, then man had something to do with our healing, and he had nothing to do with our healing. Anyway, you can take that. Number three. Man, it is quiet here. 
It is. I'm, I love to teach. This is like my favorite thing to do. Grace is available to everyone. In other words, don't be that church member that cast that evil eye on those people coming through the door. You know, don't think you're better than it. Come as you are. Because if you come as you are and you get insider, you're not going to remain the same. Because you can't stay here and remain the same. The only thing you can do is go back to what you used to know. Why? Because it's comfortable. You know, the reason why people don't change, and they don't like change because they, they associate it with hurt, pain. And when you, when you think that something's going to be more painful than you're already suffering, you're going to stay where you're painful right now. The unknown is always painful. So we need to say, come as you are. If you're in deep in sin, come on in. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to love you, I'm going to be kind to you, and I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to introduce you to the only one that can help you. And every time you run back, I mean, you might think that I'm not there, but I'm praying for you. Why? Because I love you. And I love you because he loves me. And when I found out how much he loved me and I love him back, it gives me the grace, his ability, to love people that are unloved by everyone else. Romans 10, 13, it says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It didn't say you religious people who do your religious acts. It says anybody. If you look to him and you, get, you give him your, your, your everything, you trust on him, uh, trust in him, then all of a sudden, man, you, you're saved. You're born again. Number four, grace comes only through Christ. There's only one way to heaven. I know people say that there's other ways and so on and so on and so on, but I'm going to give you a bunch of scripture right here, and I think I do have all these in your notes. Maybe a couple of them I might not. John 1.17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.15 in the New Century Version, many people have received God's gift of life by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. I don't think you have this one in your notes, but... John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He just said there's no other way. He is the way. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, it says salvation is found in no one else. For there is no one, no other name under heaven given to men, which we must be saved. The last one here is Galatians 2, 21. Don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if we could be saved by, our, by keeping the law, then there would be no need for Christ to die. The bottom line is it cost Jesus his life. Don't treat your Christianity, don't treat your faith walk, don't treat it as meaningless. It should be the most important thing that's going on in your life is developing that relationship with God personally. The first thing you need to do when you get into church is you need to realize you need to be saved, right? Then the second thing, once you realize that and you get saved, you know what you need to do? I mean, and you need to do this continually for the rest of your life. And don't, don't think it's meaningless. You need to know the Father. If you know the Father, it'll change your life. 
And I'm not saying just open the book and say, okay, well, yeah, okay, read a little bit, good model, uh, amen, uh, now let me down to sleep, bag of penis at my feet. You know, you know I'm, not, I'm not, you know, those little religious things. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the way you get to know the Father is you start, when you get into the Word, you purposely ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the Father to you and only read the scriptures that, that talk about who He is. If, if the Bible says that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, every place that you see Jesus, those are His attributes. He's a God of love. You know, he's not even a judge anymore. Not yet. He'll be judging at the end. I think it's John chapter 5, 24, where, where it says he judges no man. And that's, and that's because of what the blood of Jesus did. It put us in this dispensation of grace. And now we need to learn how to live by grace. Okay. Number five, and this is, this is our last point. Grace is extended throughout eternity. What does that mean? That means he took care of your past, your present, and your future. And that's what that's done. And that's what you have to take a look at. Past, present, and future. Been taken care of. And this is the scripture I like to use. It's a great scripture. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life means much more than you get to go to heaven. Eternal life means as soon as you enter into this, he's already taken care of your yesterdays, todays, and tomorrows. 